Mark chapter 15, starting in verse 33. This is what the living word of God says. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And there was centurion who stood facing him, saw that in this way he breathed his last. He said, truly, this man was the Son of God. As we dive into the scriptures together this morning, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you for the gift to read your word this morning. We thank you that when we come to your word, you desire to speak to us. So we ask that right here and right now, that's what you would do. That you would speak to us. That the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. That you would reveal to us your nature. Just how much you love us and just how much you want us with you. We ask that whatever preconceived ideas of church or people or pastors or even you, God, would just fall flat right now. And that you, the real, tangible, living God, would reveal yourself to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. We invite you into this space. We love you. We praise you. And it's in your mighty name, all the beloved said. Amen. Do you know this morning uh, that the one true God, the one who is holy beyond measure, the creator of everything and everyone, uh, that he doesn't just love us, but that he wants us with him. That he delights to have us in his presence. Do you know that this morning? That this God, the one who formed you, made you, is sustaining the very breath in your lungs right now. Oh, he deeply, passionately, and perfectly loves you, yes. But he also deeply, passionately delights to have you in his presence. And I believe there's a misconception in the body of Christ today. That you and I, for some reason, we think that the living God who made us doesn't like us. That we've heard time and time again that the living God loves us. But are we convinced that he likes us? Now I do my best every single day to live into the truth that as a follower of Jesus, I'm supposed to love people like Jesus loves them. But can I let you in on a secret? I do not like a lot of people. And maybe there are people in your life that you're like, man, I do not like this person. Maybe when you woke up this morning, turn to the person who you spent the night with. You said, I love you, but I don't really like you right now. Maybe on your drive here today, if you have some kiddos as they're kicking and screaming in your back seat, you're like, wow, I love these kiddos, but man, I did not like them at all. And there's this misconception, I believe, in the body of Christ that you and I, we will passively receive that God loves us. But we don't really believe that he likes us. And I believe this morning through his word, he wants to reveal to us his true nature, that he wants us with him. And that means that he likes us. That right here on the page of scripture of what we just read, we read about the death of Jesus. And it's a sign of the absolute, complete, and perfect love of the one true God. The death of Jesus is the answer to the question, is God really loving? Is God really good? Does God really have what is best for me? 
The death of Jesus is the place where if you've ever doubted for a moment that you are not seen, your pain is not heard, your life is not valued, look no further than the cross and you'll find your answer. But the death of Jesus is also the place where we see that this God, oh, how he loves us. But oh, how he wants us with him. That's verse 38. And we're going to spend these next few minutes and moments and we are going to camp out right here in this one singular verse. Because I believe it's going to demonstrate to us today in community that the living God who made you, your lips, hips, and fingertips, he wants you with him. Verse 38, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. What an interesting fact to mention as the Savior dies on the hill for humanity strung out on a cross. And it's not just in the Gospel of Mark that it's mentioned. No, it's in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Luke. It's pumped through the pages of Hebrews. The Apostle Paul can't get enough of it. King David in 2 Samuel tries to make it a reality all the way back in the Old Testament. And all the way forward in Revelation we see this narrative spoken of. The curtain of the temple torn in two from top to bottom. But why all the hype? Why all the mentions? Why does it matter so much? Because without this moment, we'd still be on the outside looking in. Yes, we could know that the living God absolutely loves us, but we would be kept at a distance. But the deep significance of this curtain torn and true declares the truth that he doesn't just love us, but that he wants us with him. During the lifetime of Jesus, the holy temple in Jerusalem was the center of religious life. The temple was the place where animal sacrifices were carried out and worship according to the law of Moses was followed faithfully. And there was a curtain in the temple that separated a place called the Holy of Holies. The place of God's presence from the rest of the temple where people could be. And the Bible says in Hebrews 9 that the curtain was to symbolize humanity was separated from God by sin. And according to the law, only the high priest was permitted to pass beyond the curtain. But even more wild, the high priest was only permitted to pass beyond the curtain once a year. To enter God's presence for all of Israel and make payment for their sins. It was called the Day of Atonement. Did you catch that? Once a year, one person was able to go behind the curtain into the earthly presence of God and offer sacrifice for sin and atone for the wrongdoings of people. One person, once a year. The curtain in the temple was a constant reminder that sin renders humanity unfit for the presence of God. But now, here is Jesus up on the hill, the Savior strung up on a cross, and the gospel writers make a point to mention that yes, Jesus did in fact die and rise again to life forevermore, but moments after his death, that curtain, the one that separates people from the presence because of sin, is torn from top to bottom. The representation that there is now no separation between us and God. That the old way of relating to God is over and done. And that anyone and everyone is invited into the Father's house. That anyone and everyone has access to his presence. That Jesus, his work on the cross declares the truth that our God, he does not just love us. But that our God, he wants us with him. 
This is absolutely insane. I mean, just take a look at the death of Jesus again. And when the hour had come, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Could you imagine that moment? No, not not the one on the cross. The one in the temple that day. The one in the temple. The curtain is torn in two from top to bottom. There is access to the presence. The place of the Holy of Holies. The curtain is torn. The entrance is open. People are scurrying about while the Savior dies on the hill for the sins of humanity. And the curtain is just laying there torn in two. Could you imagine that moment? What did they do? Well, we'd hope they'd be excited. Overcome with emotion, adoration, and reverence. Entering into the worship of the presence of God. The holy of holies is accessible to anyone and everyone. This is wild. But most likely, there it is. Torn into pieces. And the high priest, the religious leaders of the day, they got out a needle, found some matching thread, and started to stitch and sew that curtain back up. After all, the one who has made a way for anyone and everyone to know perfect love, for anyone and everyone to know the presence of the living God and be found in real, deep, everlasting relationship with Him, the one who has perfect love in His hands for all of humanity and delights to have us in His presence, is up on the hill, just outside the city, on the cross, and they put Him there. How long do you think it took for the religious elite of the day to sew the curtain back up? A few hours? A few weeks? A few months to get the scaffolding set up and find the right needle and the matching thread and dust it off and stitch it and sew it back together. Now before we think that that's not us, let me be the first to confess, that's me. Excluding those who I think aren't worthy. Stitching up and sewing back together the very things that God tore apart. Because categories for people are easier than a cross that sets them free. Because what if I like thinking I'm better than you? Even with the needle and thread in my hand, what I'm really craving are the nails in his. That paid for my pride so I could know grace. Or what about the chaos of the curtain coming down? Now anyone and everyone can see the real and true presence of the one true God. And all of a sudden, my power doesn't look all that promising compared to his. Now it's an equal playing field. No one left out, all can see in, no levels of lostness, just a God who says, I want you with me. What if the curtain, the smoke and the mirrors, the programs and the religion games are just that? Games we play that don't save, set free, and heal. For remember the one who does that? Just outside the city, on the hill, strung up on the cross, and I, I put him there. What if the curtain is torn in two and the church is more worried about putting it back together? 
God hoped we'd be excited, overcome with emotion and adoration and reverence, entering into worship in the presence of the one true and holy God. The holy of holies is accessible to anyone and everyone. This is wild. But so much of the time, there it is, torn in two pieces. And just like the high priests and the religious leaders of the day, we get out some needle, find the matching thread, and start to sew and stitch up that curtain again. Rather than being at the foot of the cross in absolute awe and adoration of how much he loves us and how much he delights to have us in his presence. Jesus tore it from top to bottom declaring anyone and everyone can have access to my presence and experience my kingdom. But how often do we sew it up again? To either exclude others or maybe even far worse, exclude ourselves. How often do we look away from the cross and turn to our own productivity and efforts to sustain us and give us a false salvation? Do we believe in the gospel that saves people? Or are we trying to make up for it on our own? Do we believe in the gospel that saved his life, her life, their marriage, those wounds, that limb, those eyes, that sickness, and eradicate sin from the history of humanity? Do we believe in the gospel that has power to save? Or are we sewing up a curtain so his presence isn't what we want? It's just an image we push out rather than rejoicing in whose image we bear. He wants us with him. His delight is to love us. But who are we going to be? Do we know this Jesus who sets free and saves? Do we know this Jesus who has perfect love in his hands? That wants us, invites us, and delights to have us in his presence? Or are we more concerned with the proverbial curtain of cultural Christianity? Gossip on our lips. Pride in our hearts, hidden sin in our souls. After all, if it's more about how we act Christian than it is becoming like Christ, what's the point anyways? Because you see, this hurting and broken world does not need the church filled with people who have needles and threads in their hands. No! This hurting and broken world needs the church filled with imperfect people declaring the truth that the God who made us absolutely loves us, but He doesn't stop there. He wants us with Him wants us in his presence, wants to give us life and life to the full, not by trying to save ourselves by the way of sewing up some religious curtain and playing some religious game, no, but by denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following the one who has made a way into the holy of holies that is now accessible for anyone and everyone to rejoice in the presence of the living God. That this Jesus, he's the one who goes behind the curtain of death so we'd never have to. The one who ascends to the Father's side and calls you and I beloved. The one who does anything and everything so that anyone and everyone can be welcomed into the Father's house. So what are we to do? How do we live like the curtain is really torn? How do we enter into his presence and let it really transform us? How how do we let it really get to the gut and change us from the inside out? How do we live like this is really the reality? How do we become a community that declares the cross is for everyone and the curtain is torn in two and the God who made us wants us with him? How do we put a dent in the darkness? How do we join in with all of heaven that wants humanity to be saved? How do we point to the Savior while at the same time declaring he's Lord of our lives? How do we live into and enter the presence and let the power of it transform us so it can transform the whole city? How? 
In all of the common and ordinary moments of this everyday thing called life, how do we remember that the curtain is torn in two and his presence is open and available to us? How? Prayer. Were you hoping again for something more sexy? I can say it different this week too. Prayer. Did it cut to the heart? Prayer. Prayer is the secret sauce of the saints. Prayer is the weapon of the weak. Prayer is the posture of the disciple, the common and ordinary follower of Jesus. Prayer is, besides the gospel, the most powerful thing the church has to offer because prayer is the place where we agree with heaven that the curtain has been torn in two. Prayer is the place where God's presence is not just some abstract thought or idea, but becomes something that is as tangible and real as this table in front of me. Prayer is how we, the church, continually live into the reality that because of who Jesus is, we get full access to the Holy of Holies. Because when we pray, in the deep places and pockets of prayer, we are agreeing with all of heaven and declaring the truth that because of who Jesus is, because the cross is sufficient and the tomb is empty and the curtain has been torn, we, common, ordinary, imperfect people, as we turn from sin and believe in Jesus, get full communion with the one true God. Why? Because he wants us with him. My friend Eugene Peterson writes, The holy place is now every place. There is no more separation between there and here, than and now, sacred and secular. That all that was behind the curtain is now available in the place of prayer. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, isn't it? What we commonly know now is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That whole prayer is the reality of the curtain being torn in two. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. As we pray that, we enter the holy of holies and know the heavenly Father, not as a wrathful God who does not enjoy us, but as the heavenly Father, as Jesus describes all throughout the Gospels. And before the curtain was torn, that wasn't possible. There was no way for the holiness of God to get near the people. But now, its very resting place is in the hearts of those who pray to the God who absolutely loves them and delights in them. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that, we align our lives with what has always and has always been the mission of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven invading earth. And now because the curtain is torn, the fullness of the kingdom can make its way not just into some temple for the religious elites to access. No, but into the very heart and root bed of humanity. And as we pray and partner and participate with kingdom reality that is here and now, we no longer have to enter behind a curtain once a year or be the high priest, but daily, in any moment, can pray. And by those that pray the kingdom would come, that kingdom promises to take up residency in our hearts. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. When we pray that, we are reminding ourselves that the true bread has come down from heaven. 
died on the cross and daily is giving us all that is needed to live into the here and now of his presence and the power of it. When we pray that, we are aligning our hearts with that of Jesus, who even while young on the cross did not pray for rescue, but prayed for forgiveness to those who put him there. Why? Because he wants us with him. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we pray that, well, that's holiness in the human heart. That's flourishing. That is ultimate kingdom reality. In Jesus, he says to the church, to us, pray like this. For this prayer changes the landscape of our world. Changes the landscape of our city, of our community, of our marriages, of our friendship, of our kids, and their future. Prayer is the place where we agree with heaven that the curtain has been torn in two. And that the God who loves us doesn't keep us at a distance, but intimately invites us in to his presence. I know what you could be thinking. Prayer? Really? Two Sundays in a row? Prayer? Me, you, us, just prioritizing the presence of God and praying? That's how this world will be righted and love will be known? That's really how we will live into the reality that the presence of Almighty God is ours for the receiving. That the one who is holy beyond measure, the creator of everything and everyone, that he doesn't just love us, but that he wants us with them, that he delights to have us in his presence. The one who does anything and everything to get anyone and everyone to come and be with him. And that prayer is the most powerful way to be in his presence. And allow his presence to come to earth as it is in heaven. Prayer? You know, there are only two places in the entire New Testament where it's recorded that the earth shook. The first, when the Son of God died and the curtain was torn in two. The second, when the church prayed. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of Jesus. And when they had prayed... The place in which they gathered together shook. There is power in his presence. And his presence is most powerful in our pockets of prayer. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you that you love us so much that you don't just shout it from a distance but that you love us so much that you desire that we would come and enter into your presence, the place of the Holy of Holies. So right here and now as a community together, we declare that we want your presence, that we want to prioritize prayer, that we want this community, this church, to be marked with such prayer and priority of your presence that we would get your kingdom in the city. That we would get your kingdom in our hearts. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Father God, would you remind us every day, moment by moment, of the deep truth. That you want us with you. That you invite us into your presence. And would you give us courage 
to pray to you, to believe that to be true, and live in the reality that the curtain has been torn, and that you are the living God who invites us intimately into who you are forevermore. We love you, and it's in your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said, amen.